on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day when uh, one of our most controversial public figures, the esteemed George Santos, has made a pledge that he is going to turn things around in terms of his personal reliability. He's going to uh, check his records more closely in the future as a member of Congress of the United States, but not of the two committees, the Small Business Committee and the Science, Technology and Space Committees, will not be blessed with the presence of Congressman Santos. And is that really the problem, that he just didn't do enough uh, research when he was talking about where he went to high school, where he never actually did go to high school, or the fact that his mother was up in uh, one of the Twin Towers during September 11th when she actually wasn't even in the country. Uh, we will get to that and the, uh, the new look and new approach for uh, George Santos. Uh, there is also a great deal of debate about the uh, ongoing fight over the debt ceiling and the warning from one of the most perceptive Republican strategists, and I think one of the leading Republican voices in the country, former uh, aide to President George W. Bush, Mark Thiessen, uh, writes about how the Republicans, if they actually do go to a full-out fight over the debt ceiling and uh, the, the federal spending blueprint, that if they go into that fight, they will be committing an act of political harakiri, that it would be extremely damaging to the Republican side. Is that true? Uh, I'll tell you what um, we, we have, is that right now there is such disapproval of Congress. And again, people don't necessarily distinguish between the Democratic Senate and the Republican House. They're both narrowly divided. But as of uh, January uh, uh, of last year, uh, of in other words, of uh, this last January, as of last month, there is a Gallup poll that shows that uh, 75 percent of Americans disapprove of Congress. Could it be that part of them and 21 percent approve? I mean, 21% approval? I mean, there are other polls that showed 13% approval when it's narrowed down to the House. But when it comes to the House, Jim Jordan has taken over the job as chair of the House Judiciary Committee. And they had a bad day today. They had a bad day because a fight erupted over a the Pledge of Allegiance. And what was the basis for this fight? Why are they fighting over the Pledge of Allegiance? Uh, as people pointed out, there's already an obligation where people who are members of Congress, they begin every session with the Pledge of Allegiance. And yes, they begin every session. They have a chaplain and sometimes invited guest chaplains. They have a moment of prayer. It's always one of the, the odd things that uh, that apparently does not involve the establishment of religion, but they say that if you have some kind of moment of prayer, even a moment of silence in a, a public school, that's far more problematic and controversial. But 
look, maybe a moment of silence would be appropriate when you get into the, these bitter arguments. Here's the story. A routine House committee meeting erupted into, and this is as covered by NBC, a heated, nearly hour-long debate today over the Pledge of Allegiance with uh, one Democratic lawmaker, that would be Congressman David Chickaline of uh, Rhode Island. He uh, was insisting that, okay, we'll say the Pledge of Allegiance again, uh, and it is again, because in other words, they're always saying it every morning when they have a session of Congress itself, but this is for meetings of the Judiciary Committee. And uh, David Chickaline then proposed an amendment that those who, quote, supported an insurrection against the government should not be allowed to lead the Pledge of Allegiance so they don't make a mockery of it. Uh, the debate at the Judiciary Committee this morning sounded like this. I, um, you know, Mr. Issa just made reference to how important it is for us to display our commitment to the Constitution and to commit to defend it aggressively. So I'd like to offer an amendment to the amendment, uh, adding in the second paragraph where the chair may designate an individual to lead the Pledge of Allegiance to add the following language. Provided, however, the pledge shall not be led by an individual who supported an insurrection against the government of the United States in any way. Because I think if we adopt this amendment, then we will be truthful in, in representing that stating this pledge is an affirmation of your defense of democracy and the Constitution. It's hard to take that claim seriously if, in fact, an individual who in any way supported an insurrection against the government of the United States is allowed to lead the pledge. So I would ask Mr. Gates to accept this friendly amendment, and I look forward to supporting it. Would the gentleman yield for I first a ask question? Mr. Gates if he'll support the amendment to make sure that someone who led an insurrection against the United States doesn't make a mockery of the Pledge of Allegiance and stand before this committee with their hand over their heart claiming to support the Constitution. M Mr. Cicilline, I, I, I my concern would be if your definition of an insurrection is objecting to electors, then there would be many Democrats on the committee that wouldn't be eligible to lead the pledge since so many that, That's objected. not my definition I of mean, an the, insurrection. I mean, the last Republican president I'll to get concede, sworn in absent I'll Democrat objectors Mr. was George Herbert Mr. Walker Bush. Claiming my time is Gates, I will allow the chairman to determine whether or not someone has participated in insurrection in the United States. I think this language is important. Would the gentleman further yield? I'm asking Mr. Gates, will you now accept the amendment? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned that, that you may be disqualifying too many of your own members, Mr. Cicilline. I'm not concerned about that at all. Then agree to the amendment. With, with let's, the, let's make this real. If you the, want to give someone the right to stand before the House Judiciary Committee and lead the Pledge of Allegiance at a bare minimum, Let's guarantee that that person has not participated or supported or in any way helped an overthrow of the government of the United States. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. That's 1-800-955-1776. And on the Michael Medved show, uh, the uh, uh, breakdown in the House Judiciary Committee this morning. Again, they're they're trying to um, 
Uh, and this was a Republican idea. This was an idea associated with Congressman Matt Gates, Republican Florida. He uh, uh, offered an amendment that would give the committee the opportunity to begin each of its meetings with a Pledge of Allegiance. He said that rule would give members the ability to invite inspirational constituents to be able to share and lead in the pledge. Now, I understand uh, that Matt Gates is trying to use this as a source of inspiration and unity and common commitment, but you can see that the debate that followed it's so obvious what the problem is, which is that uh, there can be no agreement with Republicans and Democrats being so vastly different today and so polarized in their opinions. They wouldn't be able to agree on which constituents or which guests to invite to lead the pledge. And then you even have uh, Hank Johnson. Uh, he was originally the Democrat from Georgia. He noted that many Republicans on the committee voted against certifying the 2020 presidential election on January 6, 2021. And then uh, Representative David Ciccolini of Rhode Island said he was introducing an amendment to Gates's amendment that clarified that the pledge could not be led by anyone who had supported an insurrection against the United States in any way. Now, given the fact that there are a lot of people, including the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, who are very prominent in challenging the results in not certifying the election when they had a chance to vote on it, uh, Jim Jordan, uh, and, and then he would be according to what they left on the floor as they were arguing about this for more than an hour, uh, the the idea would be that uh, how would you determine who had supported an insurrection? It would be up to the chairman to determine that. He obviously does not think that he supported an insurrection, even though he did uh, vote at one point to uh, overcome the election results as they had been reported in by the states. Th this whole thing is just pathetic, and it is part of what is wrong with uh, the, the idea that uh, on, on the one side, uh, the Republicans believe the Democrats are people who are uh, involved in election fraud, who steal elections, and then on the other side, the Democrats believe that the Republicans are people who are trying to undermine the government and establish an authoritarian, non-democratic uh, system. Of course, they can't even agree on saying the pledge. By the way, they're not alone in this. The, uh, uh, the North Dakota House, uh, House of Representatives, uh, last Tuesday, they uh, uh, actually it was this Tuesday. It was yesterday. They passed legislation that would require schools and governing bodies to give students and board members a chance to recite the Pledge of Allegiance. House Bill 1120, sponsored by Representative Pat Heinert of Bismarck would mandate school districts to allow the voluntary recitation of the Pledge of Allegiance by students at the start of every school day. The proposal also requires public panels, including school boards, to allow members to say the pledge before meetings. 
it, are there really situations where people are yearning to say the pledge, but they're not allowed to? Well, the bill comes after the Fargo School Board voted in August to stop saying the Pledge of Allegiance and move its part outcry from politicians and pundits. School board members received threatening messages before reinstating the recitation of the pledge about a week after the initial decision. Uh, Heiner, this is the uh, North Dakota member of uh, the uh, House, who collaborated with Governor Burgum's office on the bill, previously said the Fargo controversy didn't influence his decision to introduce the legislation. Oh, sure. Uh, representatives on Tuesday also advanced House Bill 1172, which bars the governor from altering the words of the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, what does that have to do with? I can only imagine. I don't really know. But uh, what I would imagine is what they are talking about here is uh, the under God that was added back in the 1950s. And uh, the, the one thing that most people don't even know about that under God, they know it, it happened during the Eisenhower administration, that's true. But the reason they in, 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 uh, inserted those words is because it's from the Gettysburg Address, uh, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom. Uh, that's, uh, that's part of what Lincoln said, and uh, no one... No one really thought to object until uh, actually very recently. Uh, meanwhile, there are 24 Senate Republicans who just signed a letter demanding spending cuts as a condition for raising the debt ceiling and avoiding a default. And uh, there's a powerful column about this, and it's a column by Mark Thiessen who says uh, most Americans think the economy is in bad shape. That's true. And 6 and 10 blame President Biden. Things could soon get even worse. Economists believe there's a 70% likelihood of a recession this year, more than double the share from six months earlier. Uh, given all this, House Republicans should ask themselves, why on earth would they do anything that could hurt the economy and give Biden the pretext to shift blame for his economic fiascos to them. But that's exactly what will happen if Republicans force a debt limit fight with the president. If the United States reaches the brink of insolvency, myriad problems could follow. The stock market could plummet. Interest rates could skyrocket. Our national credit rating could be downgraded. Millions of jobs could be lost. And inflation could climb even further. And Republicans would assume ownership of the economic debacle instead of the Putin price hike, uh, as Biden has tried to explain gasoline in crisis, Biden would be uh, touting the MAGA price hike, wrapping the poor economy around the House Republicans next. Why would the GOP hand Biden that kind of opening? And uh, then he talks about what happened with... Uh, basically when they came close to uh, government shutdowns and even in 1995 they experienced one and uh, then in 2011 another one in both those cases republicans who were fighting over the debt ceiling ended up having terrible political consequences 
See a pattern? If Republicans want to all but guarantee a second Biden term, writes Mark Thiessen, picking a debt ceiling fight is a great way to do it. Such a fight does not make sense politically in other ways. It would uh, unite Democrats while dividing Republicans. And uh, yet you have the 24 senators signing this letter. What does it mean? Where do we go from here? That and more coming up on the Medved Show. Your daily dose of debate. Bingo! Don't bingo. Your daily dose of debate. We're not supposed to all agree. You just need to uh, settle down a little bit and quit creating all that hate among the people. The Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved show, it's not only debating over who's an insurrectionist and who's going to lead the Pledge of Allegiance, which took an hour of time for the Judiciary Committee. I, I do think that there is a very, very common public reaction to that, which would, would you do the damn job? I mean, really? Matt Gates, David Ciccolini, do the job. And the, the job really does not uh, deeply involve who it is who is going to lead the Pledge of Allegiance. I think saying the Pledge of Allegiance is a good thing. I think we have too few sort nationalistic uh, rituals saved in this country. And saying the Pledge of Allegiance is one of them. And the idea that uh, there would be such a divisive notion of trying to determine who is disqualified as an insurrectionist. Uh, and in fact, the the point about this whole debate and what's so stupid about it, I end up thinking, I was thinking about it during the break, actually, because there's a clause in the 14th Amendment to the Constitution, which was passed way back in 1868. And in the 14th Amendment to the Constitution, it says that if somebody engaged in an insurrection, uh, you're not eligible to serve. And uh, basically, that was uh, the way they, they've actually done lawsuits. They tried to get uh, Madison Cawthorn, if you remember him, disqualified because he'd been a big supporter of uh, the demonstrations that grew into riots on uh, January 6th. And uh, the, the point about this would be that if the chairman of the Judiciary Committee de determines that Congressman X can't lead the Pledge of Allegiance because he was involved in an insurrection, then he also wouldn't be eligible to be in Congress. And it would become a legal matter. And it's a waste of time. What is not a waste of time is the big news in uh, National Journal today is uh, actually borrowed from the Charleston Post and Courier, uh, Courier which is the leading uh, newspaper down in Charleston, South Carolina, is that uh, former U.N. ambassador, former governor of South Carolina, is running for president, uh, Nikki Haley. She will kick off her campaign on February 15th, so we're talking about two weeks from now, and uh, day after Valentine's Day for America's would-be sweetheart. And uh, she's going to be kicking off the campaign at the Shed of the Charleston Visitor Center, a downtown gathering spot that could draw hundreds of supporters into the heart of the city's tourism district. The, uh, the confirmation she is entering the race came yesterday from a member of Haley's inner circle. Haley has teased at running for the White House for months 
increasing her footprint on social media and in national interviews uh, that she was leaning toward an official bid. Haley becomes the second Republican after former President Trump to officially declare a White House bid. Even though she hasn't actually made the declaration, it will probably get some pretty good coverage because given her background as a very successful two-term governor and as a successful and well-respected ambassador to the U.N., uh, she's instantly a uh, serious candidate. Uh, Haley um, uh, says that uh, she has a PAC, uh, which is called Stand for America. It raised uh, $471,000 from uh, November 29th to December 31st and then spent $840,000. The PAC had $2 million on hand at the end of this period. Okay, so Nikki Haley running uh, for president. Uh, there's also uh, uh, President Trump uh, actually entering uh, the foreign policy arena in perhaps an unexpected way. Uh, this is a new video that uh, the president, former president, and he wants to be our future president as well, uh, that uh, President Trump posted uh, on his Internet site about the war in Ukraine. Here is uh, what the former commander-in-chief had to say. Clip 8. The situation in Ukraine is very dangerous, explosive, and escalating by the day. Joe Biden's weakness and incompetence has brought us to the brink of nuclear war. And now Biden is doing what he said 10 months ago would lead to World War III. He is sending in American tanks. It's far past the time for all parties involved to pursue a peaceful end to the war in Ukraine before this already horrific catastrophe spirals out of control and ends up leading, indeed, to World War III. And this would be a war like no other war, because this would be a nuclear war. As I have said many times before, Russia's invasion of Ukraine would have never happened if I was in the White House. Not even thinkable, not even a possibility. We must end this ridiculous war and demand peace in Ukraine now before it gets worse. And believe it or not, it would be easy to do. It would be very easy to do. Okay. Uh any anybody out there think it would be very easy to do and how do you do that without destroying uh ukraine as an independent nation how do you do it and uh, you should say all well, americans shouldn't care about ukraine as an independent nation the idea that vladimir putin would stop at ukraine regardless of who is in the White House, it seems to me a, uh, a very troublesome idea. Uh, this uh, comes uh, at the same time that J.D. Vance, the newly elected senator from uh, Ohio, had a piece in the Wall Street Journal today where he praised President Trump and announced that he is supporting President Trump for nomination for a new term in office because President Trump uh, didn't get us into any wars. And uh, again, 
the uh, the idea that uh, that and this goes to part of the argument about spending and uh, the the budget ceiling, the debt ceiling. And this is a point that Mark Thiessen uh, makes, and he's somebody who worked as a principal speechwriter for President George W. Bush. He's been a very loyal Republican. He was a strong supporter of President Trump, both in 2016 and 2020. But as he points out, one of the reasons that the fight over the debt ceiling would is actually divisive among Republicans is because there are a lot of people in the House and the Senate uh, who are Republicans, loyal Republicans, strong supporters of a national defense. And because of the war in Ukraine, because of the possibility of uh, military action being necessary in Taiwan, because of the threats facing the United States, this is not the time to cut defense spending. The increases in defense spending that Republicans fought for and were able to put through in the last Congress and in that final monstrous bill, uh, yes, it would be terrific if we could get uh, reduce some of the excess spending and wasteful spending that does exist in the federal budget, but uh, that doesn't mean cutting defense spending at a dangerous moment like this and to find Republicans in bitter disagreement about an issue like that, that doesn't help the uh, party of Lincoln. Uh, there's more. Somebody else who has all but announced a candidacy for president, probably less formidable than Nikki Haley, will tell you who that Republican is. In fact, we'll play a clip from it. Coming up on the Medved Show. The Michael Medved Show. With all due respect, that's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. This is the Michael Medved Show. And on the uh, Michael Medved show, there has been some coverage for a new national GOP poll that was published yesterday that uh, shows that Ron DeSantis is beating uh, ex-president Donald Trump by a substantial margin. But more significantly, the dismayingly large percent of the Trump loyalists saying they would uh, vote for him if he staged an independent spoiler run. This is a new poll from the Bulwark and North Star Opinion Research via Dinata shows uh, an enormous lead for DeSantis, which makes it an outlier comparing recent polls that generally show Trump uh, running ahead of DeSantis in competitive races, but ahead of DeSantis. And uh, uh, certainly it, it shows that even in those a few polls that showed DeSantis ahead, they haven't shown him ahead by uh, so much. What's uh, eye-opening in particular is the uh, idea that for the people who say they would vote for Trump, uh, a substantial percentage of them, over a third, uh, say they would, uh, if he were not the nominee, if it was DeSantis and Biden, that uh, a very big chunk of the Trump vote uh, 
would support an independent run by President Trump, which he's actually mused about and talked about. And uh, that, of course, would, according to any logical thinking, uh, completely destroy any chance of Republicans uh, winning the election, uh, even against a, a weakened and aging Joe Biden. Uh, there's just not enough uh, Republican uh, core support to, to guarantee that kind of huge majority that would uh, uh, you would need in order to win if you had President Trump uh, going uh, running independently and uh, running as a third party candidate against uh, a DeSantis nomination. Uh, meanwhile, there is this concerning Larry Hogan, the very popular two-term governor of Maryland. He, uh, at the same time, same day that the uh, world is talking about the confirmation that uh, Nikki Haley is going to get into the race soon, she's going to, in fact, uh, jump in about two weeks from today. It is February 15th is the date of her announcement, which is already scheduled here is uh, Larry Hogan talking about his own potential run, and uh, this is clip five. There's talk that you will be among those candidates. Is that true? Well, I'm certainly giving it uh, very serious consideration. You know, we've been really successful 30 miles outside of Washington where everything appears to be broken and nothing but divisiveness and dysfunction. I'm in a, one of the bluest states in the country with a 70% progressive legislature, and I got them to cut taxes eight years in a row by $4.8 and I had the biggest economic turnaround in America. So we're, we're taking a close look at it. And uh, this is the way the NBC affiliate uh, down in uh, Charleston, uh, South Carolina, reported on Nikki Haley and her plans. This is clip four. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley is moving closer to making her presidential campaign official tomorrow. We're told supporters of Haley will get an email invitation to a February 15th launch event in Charleston, where she plans to announce her bid. This is according to a person familiar with the plans. Haley was elected to two terms as governor before serving as the U.N. ambassador under the Trump administration. Uh, this uh, actually uh, it, it does indicate that we are going to be having as... I think people expected a a wide open race and a race where uh, it is not a, an automatic victory for either DeSantis or for Trump that is competitive, even though it seems very likely that they would be the two leading vote getters in uh, the uh, almost certainly the early primaries, uh, wherever those primaries happen to be. Uh, somebody else who is going to have a very tough time in the primaries and generally uh, is uh, George Santos. And uh, George Santos sporting a brand new look with uh, no uh, glasses, no horn rim glasses, and uh, uh, no sweater. Uh, maybe he's trying a disguise. He appeared on One America's Network, OAN. And uh, he seemed to acknowledge that uh, 
some of what he had told people about himself, most of what he told people about himself when he was running for the House of Representatives, both times, because he ran in 2020 and lost, and then he won in 2022 in his Long Island, New York district. But uh, here is what he said about uh, his outrageous past lies, going, going on everything from his stardom uh, in volleyball, where he claims he won a volleyball scholarship uh, at... Um, uh, I think he claimed at New York University, but he may have claimed, which he never attended, uh, may have claimed uh, it was at Baruch College, which he never attended. But uh, from that and to the idea that his mother was actually a survivor from the Twin Towers on 9-11 when she wasn't even in the country at that time. Uh, here is uh, George Santos talking about the new leaf that he is turning over. Clip two. I've made my sincere apology multiple times. I, I earlier said it that I thoroughly apologize for lying about my education and embellishing the resume. I've made that very, very clear. Uh, I don't know what more can, can be said other than admitting. Is there anything more humbling and humiliating than admitting that on national television, Caitlin? And I've learned my lesson, and you can guarantee, I can guarantee you that from now on, anything and everything is always going to be above board. It's largely always been above board. I'm just going to go the extra step now to double check, cross reference everything. He's going to this now. He's going to double check and cross reference everything. In other words, what he's what he seems to be saying is that these weren't lies, fabrications. These were just little. Oh, I, I'd forgotten of where I went to high school. Oh, I had forgotten uh, about not actually winning a, a volleyball scholarship. Uh, this, is, this is truly bizarre. There was also on another network, uh, CNN, there was an interview with his ex-boyfriend who was identified as Pedro. And he had some glowing reports about life with uh, Curious George. Uh, here, here is Pedro on CNN clip 3A. Does this George Santos, the one that we are now all seeing, sound like the man that you dated and lived with? No, not at all. <laughs> Completely different person. How it's, so? Uh... It's just, uh, at the beginning of the relationship, he was fine. Uh, he was so sweet, caring. Um, he actually, like, he showed uh, like he, that he actually cared and all. But later on, like, when I started finding out the lies, I thought it, that was it. Uh, that it was my phone that, went st uh, that he stole, uh, that he pawned it, that I believe. Uh, the jewelry as well. From uh, from our friend that used to live with us uh, in Sutso, like the tickets to Hawaii that he had uh, uh, purchased for us to go, where he was planning to be uh, proposing for the third time as well. Uh, but the engagement never happened. Nothing like that. What? His engagement never happened after. I guess uh, it's a different thing if um, they uh, are married uh, and. Somebody gets down on knees and says, oh, promise me, sings that song. And um, 
Pedro was left with a less than glowing opinion of uh, his one-time boyfriend, Clip B. Okay, well, we will. <laughs> we don't. We don't have time for that because we actually have more important things to talk about. There's a profound uh, piece and a, a bit of research from a senior fellow and director of poverty studies at the American Enterprise Institute, who uh, writes about the dual promise of the American dream and why it is so important to defend that promise. And, uh, that promise has to do with the idea that life should be better for each generation and everybody needs a chance to achieve their aspirations in this greatest nation on God's green.